0: Welcome back to another episode of Rosenballs. This subject is is near dear to me. Um, something that we kind of saw coming is Boston burning. Um, so, like look, Celtics had some high hopes going into the season. I think if you look at it on paper and you judge what Brad did on paper, a lot of fans truly believed. You know, we had an outside shot of doing some damage in the east let's examine some of the moves and again these are just on paper right so steven's inherences inherits rather danny age's team okay so you have to go into that premise you can't blame brad on moves danny did or danny didn't do right so someone like me who thought there was an outside shot we could get jason collins at the deadline uh if not him aaron gordon uh, at last year's deadline and do some damage there uh you know i was a little annoyed at danny because you know there was a chance to move marcus smart and, and maybe make some of those deals um and then you get ever Fournier. fine but uh you can't blame brad for those that didn't do and if you did not like the 48 deal it's not his fault and there's stuff that happened with hayward in the past again not brad's fault So, you got to judge Brad on what he inherited. Fine. So, the first move is whether to retain Fournier. Now, again, I'm going to go into the premise that he has direction from the team that, like, and this is totally sound, you're not going to go deep into a luxury tax if you're indeed not going to contend. Part of the problem I have with, with Ainge's thinking, and this is just the general notion, sometimes in the NBA is. There's, there's like a step two, right? Not every deal is contention, contending or bust. And I think Ainge kind of looked at it that way. And I think Stevens, my critique on it initially is he, he looked at it that way too. Which is like the reason why the argument, I would say, against doing like, let's say in theory, a Marcus Moore for Aaron Gordon type deal, or at least using came in that deal, is well... Getting Aaron Gordon doesn't get you to contend. My argument is like, okay, but it makes you better in the long run. Um, and, and that's what's important. You just got to continually improve. So, But keeping smart doesn't get you contend either. So like, we're, what are we doing here? You just got to continually improve. So just because the end deal doesn't get you that superstar to contend doesn't mean you don't do it. And the issue that I had with Ainge's thinking, and that Stevens is kind of inheriting this type of thinking, is, look, if we can consolidate our youth, and make this massive move to get a, a disgruntled superstar or a superstar on the rise, then and only then do we consider something like that. So if, it's, if the guy coming back is a James Harden, Jimmy Butler level, uh, Bradley Beal, potentially, then we're not going to consider the deal at all. I think it's so silly when certain teams get into that premise and Ainge found himself in that premise and Stevens is already kind of seeing signs of it, which is my first critique, right? But what you, what you have to do as GM is start getting the small wins and the small wins add up. So if you're making the right binary choices, like this guy's better for our team long term than this guy, And think of it in that premise, and you start winning those battles, you're going to win the long-term battle, right? A good example is like Toronto right now, which is on the right level, started doing these little wins. They're like, well, let's assess Norman Powell long-term, okay? And then what he brings in his age and his progress, and let's take him, I don't know, versus a Gary Trent Jr., right? You look at Norman Powell and Gary Trent Jr., on the surface, you would say Powell right now is better, but Trent junior is progressing better he's a two-way guy he fits better with the timeline he's a better long-term binary option versus Trent jr similar players for Toronto right Boston had to be thinking that way so they're analyzing a Marcus Smart versus Evan Fournier as an example which which was the binary choice it was either you sign and retain Fournier long term or you're keeping Smart long term the problem that I have is just the the and I think Marcus Smart's the crux of this whole disaster. Um, they did a poor job of, of self evaluation determining a couple things. First off, as a team, you have to understand you gotta peel the under what's our biggest gap, what's the biggest weakness we have, and then and then you. you You analyze that, and the flip of it is what's the biggest strength we have and how do we enhance that? And to be honest, they're kind of both. For Boston, it's a pretty easy evaluation because they're both the same. Here's what I mean. Obviously, Tatum and Brown are your biggest strength. These are young guys, signed long-term. They play the toughest position again in basketball, which is a two-way lengthy wing, okay? Now you start peeling the onion. Where are they most successful? Okay, so Tatum, I would say, is most successful as a three slash four. So it needs to be next over protecting five or a good, you know, I would say, spacing slash uh, uh, flexible defensive five. It's great. So I think what Stevens did right off the bat, retaining Baron, but Williams, who makes sense with Tatum long term, and even getting Al Horford, I'll give him credit for that, the Campbell Walker deal. Both make sense long term. Fine, so that, that's the premise. But it's so now if you if you have that, that core, let's work off that core, let's work off Tatum Brown, Williams Horford Tandem as a big sort of grouping. What what next makes sense to them, right? And this is how you have to analyze the smart responsibility situation, is okay, so they both need the ball in their hands to be successful. But, you know, if I'm going to build around Brown and Tatum, I really need a point guard who's going to set the table for them, right? So you look at some of their flaws, and, like, look, they, they're not great passers. They're pretty – they have low assist rate, and they don't, get to the, they don't get to the hoop very often. Okay? The bonus that they're giving you, obviously, is they're very talented offensive players, and they can shoot. So, like, look – you absolutely have to work on those weaknesses with them. I get it, right? You, you bring in a coach. You bring in player development team staff focused on uh, really teaching these guys how to get to the free throw line, how to pass out of double teams. Um, you know, how to do how to do a lot of this. Uh, a lot of this stuff, okay? That's sort of, that's sort of the key. Um, But obviously, um, look, some of that concern is, um, you know, you, you still need to get a stopgap or a point guard or whatever, another player that's going to enhance that skill set that they do do well and put them in that position, right? So I think there was such a mis here that, like, Marcus Smart never showed any signs of being that guard. And he's been given opportunity. Like, this is, like, a ridiculous point. And in my, in my, people say he has. He, of course he has. There was long periods where Kemba Walker was out. Smart was the only point guard. He never really showed signs of, like, you know, being this ball distributing point guard and things like that. So you're asking him to play completely out of position, which is not his style at all, which is part of the concern. Right? The, the next thing you're doing is you're asking him now, you know, he has to kind of space for for them as well. Because again, you want to put Tatum and Brown and ISOs and you kinda of need some spacing around him. Especially if Rob Williams is in the lineup where he's creating vertical spacing, but again that traditional spacing that you wanted a big so huge huge issues there that was the first big red flag uh, from from Stevens was was a, was a poor evaluation on, on smart and then missile and then again kind of doing a poor job of the smart was 48 thing now like I get it, 48 doesn't solve that either but like you take Sometimes you take the scarcity of talent when you can get it, right? And, like, even if they didn't get Fournier and they opted for, I don't know, Ricky Rubio instead, it would have made more sense. But it was a poor evaluation there. And, again, even, like, Fortier in the Olympics and, and in other pockets of Boston showed more signs of, if you, if you want, like, I, I know this sounds like a crazy idea, but, like, it would have made more sense testing Fortier at point guard in that role, because he actually showed size that he could play that role. He could bring the ball up the court, he's got some size, so he, he could defend with that size, and he could shoot and he could distribute. That would have been better legs than smart. So the 40 of a smart thing, that's a, that's a first X. The second thing is, as you're developing this team, there, there's a couple of things that did work that you have to keep on. So, so if we need spacing, well, look, one of the, the benefits, one of the positive things we've had is... Um, I would say, uh, strong spacing around, um, you know, with our youth. So Pritchard and, and Naismith, right? And you were just kind of evolving them. They were kind of like getting to that, neck I would say that like a, a key level. And I go back to this, right? Like your youth doesn't, there's an in-between. Your youth doesn't have to be, like either bust or pseudo all-star. It could be strong rotational talent. And you saw that in Naismith, and you saw it with Pritchard, and you saw light size with Langford, although he's kind of getting to the end of the rope with a lot of with a lot of people on, on whether he's worth investing into, you know, rotational minutes and all that. Um so Naismith started down the stretch under Stevens. He did. And he had some some really nice flashes, and he was entrusted more in the playoffs. Pritchard also started playing more down the stretch, looked like a nice little scoring combo guard, and then you saw him in the summer league where he really took off. Okay, so you would think after that those that progress after you know the, from those two, it would be kind of entrenched a bit more bosses rotation. So, look, what Stevens did that, that I guess hurts the coaches, he looked for, I would say, quick, easy wins when he can get them from a, a town acclimation standpoint. And that was bringing on Josh Richardson and bringing on Dennis Schroeder. Now, again, at surface level, if you could add a Josh Richardson for the TPE... You kind of have to do it, right? That's that's the thought. I'm like, look, this guy has a talent. Um, he's a veteran. And you add him if you can get him. The knock on Josh Richardson is he kind of needs the ball in his hands to be successful. Um, so if you're going to play him with Brian Tatum, is that the cleanest flow for him? The bigger issue is Richardson by adding him, it clearly gets in the way of, of Naismith and Lakeford's development. Very hard to play that many wings. So that's that's a huge concern with Richardson. The same issues with Schroeder. So Schroeder again, you you kind of need a playmaking point guard. Again, Schroeder to me is in that sort of sixth man camp. You know, um, uh, he needs to be either a six man or backup guard or what have you, right? Um, So, if he's in the way, you know, again, Schroeder's in the way now, so Pritchard can't play. uh, That's that just hurts his development, And, and again. You don't want to put your coach in a situation where he has to play like 14 guys. It's, it's just not realistic. You want to give your co- coach a clear like eight, nine-man rotation, super clean. It's consistent. There's no awkwardness. And the problem by adding Richardson and, and, and Schroeder now is, so that takes, that puts Naismith in the back seat. That puts Pritchard in the back seat. Um, and now, you know, he's got to kind of play them. They're veterans. They need minutes, they're talented. His incentive is to win right now. So again, that hurts Naismith and Purchard. So that was the second kind of X is not making it clear on what on, you know, what a, a decent rotation there should look like, right? And if you're going in uh to Boston and you were taking them over, I think you would think the the best rotation would be like you know, point, starting point guard was a question mark in my mind. That could have gone different ways. But you wanted to have Naismith at the two, Brown, Tatum as your forwards, Williams or Horford starting. And then your your quick, clean, a nightmare rotation was then off the bench. You have Pritchard backing up that point guard. Um, Horford's there. Okay. And now you, and, and Langford could maybe be that. You know, Pritchard Langford could kind of be the backup guard, backup wing. Fournier could have been the more entrenched backup wing. Right now, Richardson could be that backup wing. But you need a saw for for starting point guard. That's the second X. And and I would say the third X, just to kind of give him three strikes early to make it clean. People like hearing things in the number three, number five. um, Is... You know just having like a like a clean solve for all of that right so like i, I think you know, there was some confusion going in but you can't start horford and williams together i think that's that's really strange uh and that's what they're doing right now and that's on the coach a bit but i, I don't know if there was a connection between the coach and the gm and thinking that through boston never did that last year really you only want to start two bigs in the nba if you're really lacking a talent. So if you're Cleveland, as an example, and you're completely have no wings, fine. Then you might want to start two two bigs. But beyond that, you really want to avoid that. You don't want to have two bigs on so often. It just hurt, and you don't need to with with Tatum in there and and Brown and the defensive length that that they bring. Um, So where does Boston kind of go from here? Is that question. Well, look, look, I think they, they obviously need um, a cons- consolidation trade, I would call it. Um, what does that entail? That means they, they're going to need to move a couple, you know, do a two for one or a three for one. Okay? Um, and a problem is now is like some of these guys that could have made sense have decent value. So. Like, Ricky Rubio has um, has better value now. Like, ideally, you move Richardson and Schroeder and get get a Ricky Rubio. I don't even know if Cleveland does that now, which is crazy. There's no, I would say, obvious deal. The other thing is you just do, like, a clean lineup movement, which is what they could do, which is... Oh, look, a guy like Smart makes more sense off the bench. You know, maybe a try... Rolling out, Pritchard, you, you, you have to start youth. You got to put them in the rotation. So I'd rather see, and I know it sounds crazy, you know, doing some crazy lineup movement where you even start Pritchard and Naismith, play them with Tatum and Brown. That'd be exciting. And, and Williams, they get some crazy spacing there um, and bring Smarter Richardson off the bench. You know, and that, that's a better way to do it. Let your youth lead. Um, and your veterans kind of help on the second unit. The problem is like, Stevens was getting this way, right? Like the Celtics I think turned a really positive corner that everyone got really excited about. The year they made the, they made the conference finals under Stevens, when Kyrie got hurt, uh, and then they, they lost to, uh, um, you know, they, they lost to Cleveland in, in the conference finals, but they beat Milwaukee uh on that road which was impressive and there they were led by Terry Rozier at point guard but it was basically a spacing point guard and that that flow worked it worked when they had a spacing point guard and it worked with even Smart but Smart was a playing point guard that's the key uh, and having Tatum play a little more small ball four Horford at the five worked really well uh and Brown there so they want to kind of reinstill some of that magic it's possible you basically swap Pritchard with Rozier. Now, look, I, I know Rozier is who he is now, and he's great. But Pritchard's just as good as Rozier was then. So there's no... And, and you would think Tatum and Brown drastically improved. And they have. Uh, and Horford's pretty similar to what he was. He hasn't lost that many steps. And Boston's bench is better. So there's ways the Celtics could reinstill the magic. I think they need to start the youth in the backcourt. Force that. Force the Duco's hand a little bit with that. And then play a cleaner rotation, right? So you're basically starting a Pritchard nace with a Pritchard backcourt, and that's the way you do it. All right. Until next time.